Welcome to C-Suite Radio. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time for another edition of the Brett Allen Show. It's go time, you and me. Join us weekly for the latest pop culture interviews from your favorite TV shows, movies, comedians, and so much more. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie to you, felt good. Plus, you never know who will drop by. What happened here was a miracle. Now, here is your host. I said, throw down, boy. Welcome to the night's main event. Brett Allen. Brett Allen here. Thanks for watching and listening. Uh, we are chatting with actor uh, Emily Swallow. I'm very excited. Uh, I think uh, she is coming to us live from a set somewhere. Uh, she's in her trailer. We're not going to ask her where. Uh, but uh, I mean, you can ask. But <laughs> that's just like I tell my child. I'm like, you can ask anything, but that doesn't mean I'm exactly. going to tell you yes or no. <laughs> um, thank you so much for hanging out today. I know you're working, so I appreciate your time. Thanks for having me. Yes, well, the Mandalorian, of course, is great. Uh, your character, the Armorer, and you've been a part of so many other projects. Um, I'm very curious. Where did this journey begin for you? with acting and, and storytelling, like where did that moment pick up for you in your life? It has been such a, a winding journey. Um, and I haven't always known I was on it. Uh, I mean, I haven't always known I was on the way to being a, a, a professional actor for sure, because um, I started performing in the church choir when I was, when I was really little. Um, my parents, always had a love of music. So music was my way into the arts. And, um, and we would go see concerts and we would go see plays and, you know, touring companies of things when they came to town. And, um, and I sang in the church choir and did, you know, cantatas and stuff when I was little. Um, but I, I, I was always really, really nervous when I got on stage. Um, but I think I was also just really nervous you know, getting up in front of people in general. And there was something that felt a little more protected about getting up on stage to perform something. You know, there was the protection of a character and I was, I was telling a story and there was something about like being in service of a story that made me a little bolder rather than just being myself. Um, And, uh, and I, I stayed with that all through school as an interest, but it wasn't ever my main focus. Um, I didn't, I didn't ever say this is what I'm going to do when I grow up. I think mostly because I I didn't know anyone who had pursued it professionally. Um, And I was interested in so many things, you know, there was so much that I wanted to do. And, uh, and when I was in college, I was majoring in um, Middle Eastern studies because I, I, it was sort of a specialized focus of a, a foreign affairs major because I, I thought I wanted to go into the foreign service um, 
and I interned at the State Department and and um, worked at the Foreign Service Institute for a summer. And all the while, I was spending half my time in the theater department at the University of Virginia. And they have a fantastic theater department there. And you don't have to be a drama major to be heavily involved. And so my time was sort of divided between these two passions. Um and I had an acting teacher who saw how much I loved it. And, and he said, well, have you considered pursuing it as a career? Because you basically spend, you know, the majority of your time doing it and um, you love it and, and you're good at it. And, um, and I said, huh, yeah, I, I guess I would like to. And, you know, I think I was, I was scared to admit it um, because you know, sometimes when you love something so much, you're afraid to admit that you love it so much because what if it doesn't love you back? Right. Um, and uh, he encouraged me to um, audition for graduate training programs because I did know enough at that point. I had done it enough to recognize that there were definitely roles that were really, really challenging that I couldn't do just based on my instinct. You know, there were things that I wanted to be able to 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 access that didn't just come to me naturally. Sure. Um, and I wanted more tools to draw from. And so I was interested in pursuing more training. I, I, at the, I hadn't been ready to focus, you know, I'm glad that I didn't major in it in undergrad. Um, but at that point I was ready to focus on it. And so I went to NYU to school of the arts to get my MFA. And that was such an incredible experience and such a blessing that 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 happened when it did, because to be in school as an actor in New York, where you're going to be pursuing a career, you're getting an education, um, you know, in the city at the same time that you're getting to dig deeper into your craft. And it was just such an unbelievable experience. Um, and I, I just feel really, really fortunate that the doors opened for me long enough until I finally had the guts to start taking charge. And, you know, because it, at some point um, you do just have to, every single actor, every single artist at some point is going to have to push back um, when they're not, when the doors are not opening <laughs> With yeah. ease, you know, you're going to reach a point where you're getting rejected, you're getting rejected, you're getting rejected, and you're really going to have to dig down and and remember why you love it and why you want to keep doing it, even if it's not giving back to you. So um, uh, I'm glad that uh, that other people believed in me long enough until I finally said, yes, this is what I want to do. <laughs> I want to keep doing it. Um, and since then, it's been a, a wild, wild ride. Yeah. And the industry is just can be very unforgiving. You said something interesting about what if it doesn't love you back? Um, I mean, I, I wanted to be a theater major and I until I got to college, you know, I realized how hard that world was. And it was not like I remembered in high school, <laughs> uh, because then it was just a chance to get away from my parents because I just didn't want to be at home for no other reason than independence, obviously. But it's it's a very challenging world. So were there conversations that you had with family, with friends as you're pursuing this before things really broke for you and said, are you sure you want to do this? Or was it always a supportive environment as an artist and as a creative to just go for it, you know, even though 
obviously being on a show like the Mandalorian or none of that was pro- obviously in mind at the time, but just for the fact of pursuing the creative arts and, and really kind of just digging your feet in, you know what I mean? Well, this is where um, I didn't even realize how clever I was being in um, <laughs> pursuing a career in, uh, in foreign affairs, because I went from saying, Hey, mom and dad, I'm going to go work in an embassy in, you know, Jordan or, you know, somewhere else in the Middle East to saying, hey, mom and dad, I'm going to move to New York and be an actor. And, you know, the contrast between the two, they were like, oh, you just want to move to New York? That's great. That's so much safer. (laughs) Um, You know, my parents were remarkably uh, calm about the whole thing. My parents, my, my brother and I marvel that we have had such supportive and encouraging parents. And they always told us, you know, that they wanted us to be happy with whatever we chose. And Got of it. course they wanted us to be practical and they did um, instill in us, um, you know, the importance of being frugal with our money and planning ahead. And my dad, um, you know, my dad was the first one in his family to go to college and he wound up earning two master's degrees wow. um, through the army. He, en- he enrolled, enlisted in the army and got two, uh, two master's degrees through that. And he always worked. Um, I mean, he started working when he was very young and that, and my mom worked too until she um, decided to stay at home to be more available to my brother and me. And so both of us had a, a really strong work ethic from a very early age. And so I think I just always, I, I, I didn't mind that I uh, needed to work odd jobs while I was um, auditioning. And, and, you know, I just sort of knew that that was part of the, the deal. Um, and in some ways I liked it because it was nice to have something, even though, some of it was like stuff that that was of no interest to me. Like, you know, I was a, um, and some of it was interesting. I, I did lots of odd jobs, but ha- having things that, that were more tangible and getting to just like interact with people. Um, you know, I was a cater waiter. I was a waiter. I was a, a legal secretary. Um, I did all sorts of things. Um, there was something comforting about like putting in effort and seeing a result. Yeah. Uh, with my like day job, whereas with auditioning, sometimes, as I'm sure you know, you put in all this effort, you put in all this time, and then it just sort of like disappears into the ether. Um, no, and, word, uh, you don't know. Yeah, it's the most it, it's a bizarre thing. You never know what the return on your investment really is, because I, I do trust that every everything that I invest into an audition pays off somewhere, you know, it might not pay off in that particular audition for that particular job, but, um, it is an investment in something. Um, but my, I know that my parents were, were always, you know, they always checked in to see like how I was doing. And of course they worried when I seemed to be more distraught and they, (laughs) they would encourage me if I, um, if it seemed like I was wavering and whether or not I wanted to do it, but they were remarkably supportive. And I did not take that for granted. I do not take that for granted because I know 
friends and, and um, other actors who don't have that from their family. And it's a hard enough industry, um, even when you do have supportive family and supportive friends, because, um, because it doesn't love you back. It's very fickle. Um, yeah. I don't think it ever loves you back. It might like you back, but it doesn't love you. <laughs> it's kind of like swipe left, swipe right. Like there's, yeah, I yeah, know. I get it. It's, it's kind of like, I've been told going in for a job interview and then maybe not ever hearing back if you got the job, you know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. but I think the fact that, you know, Michael Keaton said something interesting where he learned early on in his career you know, of course, nobody's a fan of the rejection, but it's about booking the room and getting into the room. That's huge. That's the job, he says. And then if you get the project, well, that's great. I don't know. I mean, it's it's just so wild. That's why I find what you and others do so extremely fascinating because it's not, you know, and then you wind up with roles like this and it's like, yay, we're killing it. And then it might be six months or a year for some, maybe where you're not working at all and you just yeah. don't know. And then a pandemic happens and then you really don't know um, what's going to happen. So I think, I mean, the career that you've had has just been really good. Was there one particular role that sort of not solidified yourself? I mean, just sort of mentally knowing this is definitely what I'm supposed to be doing? Is there one project or is it several small steps along the way? It's, it's a constant uh, evolution. I mean, because I still, I I don't ever feel like, oh, now everything's going to be okay. Like it's still, um, you know, I work just as hard on auditions now as I ever have. Um, And I would say I, I still face just as much rejection as I ever have. It's just maybe on different things. You know, I am more selective now than I used to be, I guess. But, um, but I'm, I, I, it's, it's funny because people, sometimes people will say like, so how did you decide to do Star Wars? And I just (laughs) laugh because that audition honestly was, was, um, the same really as any other audition I've ever had in the sense that it, I had no reason to think that it would turn out any differently than hundreds of other auditions sure. that I, you know, went in for over that span of like, I, I do at, at least a hundred auditions a year um, and don't get 90% of them, 95% of them, but I prep for all of them the same. I put in, um, a lot of work and I won't feel good about myself unless I do. Um, and, uh, and I didn't get really any more excited about it because it was star Wars. Um, because that wouldn't have helped me. It would have just made me stress out more. (laughs) It was so much more pressure. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and I happened to be qualified for it in a unique way, perhaps, because I had, um, I do have a theater background with mask training. Yeah. And I think that that was appealing to them. Um, and I came along in the audition process at a point where I guess, you know, they'd seen a lot of people that hadn't worked out and, and, um, 
they asked me in the audition and the audition itself was just me and the casting associate. It wasn't anybody else from the, from the TV show. Um, nobody, nobody to stress me out. Um, John Favreau's not sitting there watching you going, yeah, okay. It was so low key. There was no reason for me to think it was a big deal at all. Um, but they asked me, Jason, the casting associate asked me to do a British dialect because they'd been seeing British women in their fifties and sixties. And I guess that hadn't been working out. So they brought me in, you know, all these things had to come together in such a bizarre way. And I do think that so much of casting, what, what works out for us as being totally serendipitous is us being completely prepared and working yeah. incredibly hard, but then being there at the right time, you know? And so it's, it is, like the hard work is the bottom line. Like you, that's yeah. the given. You have to be totally prepared. And then the rest of it is, are you there at the right time? Um, yes. And trusting is... that the right roles will come along at the right time. And, and I have no control over that. And I just have to have faith that, um, that the right ones that are meant for me will happen when they're supposed to. And sometimes I can say that and say, yeah, that'll work out. And sometimes I'm like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> I I know. I, it's just um, one last question. I know uh, we got to keep it tight here. So you've played a lot of great characters, interesting characters. Uh, when you do fan events, is there one in particular that people pin you down for and go, you know, can you say this line with me or can you do this voice? Um, or is it just people are excited to meet you just because of who you are as, as a storyteller, you know, and as a, as a, as someone who obviously brings great joy to millions and millions of people on whatever project or platform that you're performing at? Well, Armorer is definitely, yeah. uh, she has become iconic, which brings me so much joy. Yeah. Um, especially when kids come up to my table and, uh, and, you know, I get to see little girls who cosplay as the armorer. Um, but Amara too, Amara from Supernatural. And it, it's particularly fun if people come up to me because they like one character and then they didn't realize that I also, and this happens a lot with those, those characters because, you know, people don't know what I look like as the armorer. And so they might come up to my table for Amara and then they say, oh, wait, you did her too? Or then they'll see like one of the the uh, pictures from Castlevania and they see Lisa Tepes and they say, oh, wait, you were in Castlevania? And I love that because I love it when people have enjoyed these different characters, not even knowing that they're connected. Um, because that means I'm doing my job. That means yeah. that I'm creating these distinct characters um, and, and uh, letting people get lost in the story without them knowing that it's me and that just makes me giddy because that's what I want to do I don't, I don't want you to think about the fact that it's me I want you to to enjoy the story and enjoy the characters all on their own yeah supernatural another fun project uh that you've been a part of and I've heard and seen utterings about that might possibly be somehow making its way back into people's living rooms at some point perhaps I don't know. I mean, the internet, I don't know. People want it to, whether it actually is, I'm not sure. But if, if, if there's anything that can be willed into existence by fans, that would be the thing. 
Yeah. And that's really, and I've heard this at a lot of events, the fans really have a lot of power to bring shows back. I've seen mm-hmm. it happen a hundred times, even though it might bounce around from network to network, it still makes its way back. So if you're watching and you're a supernatural fan, comment below, let us know so we could bring this show back. Um, and of course, all the other projects that our guest uh, Emily has been a part of so much fun. Uh, we've been working on trying to chat with you for a while. I know you keep a very busy schedule again, wrapping up your onset today for something. Um, put your guesses below. All right. Thank you so much, Emily. I appreciate your time. Thank you, Brett. Thanks for listening and being a part of today's conversation. Thank you. If you enjoyed today's episode, please consider sharing it with a friend. It's absolutely free. A major proportion. The views and opinions of our guests do not necessarily reflect those of the host. And remember, we care. <laughs>